Hello, I'm Dave Watts, and this is a Redundancy Podcast. The purpose of the podcast is to share the challenges of finding and keeping a job as an older worker. This month's guest is Jane Ferre, talking to me from Staines-upon-Thames near London in the UK. Jane had a 20-plus year career in senior human resource roles with substantial British organisations. However, as a consequence of having two redundancies in one year, one her choice, the other not, Jane decided to start her own company offering private career coaching for senior human resource professionals who've outgrown their current role. It's a sort of gamekeeper term poacher story. We're going to talk about how you can establish your worth to a potential employer during the recruitment process. Jane, thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much, Dave, for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Great to have you. One of the major hurdles job seekers face is avoiding getting sifted out at the resume or CV stage or not being considered from, say, their profile on LinkedIn. What should you be doing at this very early stage to enhance your interview or candidate attractiveness? I think there's a number of things that people can do. I think, first of all, I think what redundancy is, it so as much as it's something that we don't always have a lot of control over and can be a big change in our lives, it's also an opportunity to reset and to do something different or to do something that you've kind of always wanted to do. So the thing that I work with my clients on is, getting clear about what they really want to do next and what it is that is really going to align with their own personal values. Because if you can choose organisations that would really align with your values, that's going to be a place where you thrive, not survive, to to borrow a a quote from Meghan Markle there. Uh, So get really clear on the type of organisation that you want to work with. And then get really clear on the types of things that you've achieved so far in your career. And, you know, a lot of people will say things like, oh, I was just doing my job. But what you need to demonstrate to a future employer is where you've made a difference. So we kind of call it adding value, making a difference, but where you've really changed the dial or left a legacy in an organisation. So get really clear on what have you I think RIGIS, R-I-G-I-S, what have you reduced, improved, grown, increased or saved? Because that's what people want you to come and do in their organisation. Now, you talk about describing this value or this worth or those RIGIS. What a great acronym. (laughs) But, But why do you need to do this? And what does that look or sound like? Because... Is it just trotting out whilst I was at, I increased so-and-so by 10%, reduced so-and-so by 6%. What does it look or sound like? Is it a series of bullet points like that or does it need to be framed in a different way? And certainly to pass, for example, applicant tracking systems. Yeah, well, I'll talk about applicant tracking systems in a little while because that is my bet noir. <laughs> but, but in terms of how do you go about it, it's almost like I imagine it, I I yeah imagine it like a funnel so you've got to do the work up front so what you need to do is you need to get all of these stories out of your head so if you imagine all of your achievements particularly the older you get you you've had incredible careers and you've done lots you've worked on lots of different projects you've been working with lots of different teams maybe lots of different organizations you've got to get all of this 
stories out of the back of your head and into the front of your head almost so that you form this like Rolodex. Now, we all remember a Rolodex so that you can, and each card in that Rolodex is a story. Um, and I use the acronym STAR, which is quite um, quite a common acronym across the sort of job hunting world where you think about situation. So what was the situation that was going on? So if I, I could say something like, okay, so the situation was, I was HR business partner at Gatwick. The issue was we needed to renew our fleet of short haul aircraft and we needed to convince the board that BA was the airline rather than Iberia. So that's your situation, the first thing. The task is then, okay, so what was it that you were tasked to do? So I was tasked to lead the people stream of that transformational change. So your situation and task are quite short, succinct. Then you think about, right, so what are the actions that I then did? So I then can describe all of the elements of that project that I did. So thinking about what I did versus my team. So some of it would be my team, but focus on the I bit. And then the result was, so then the result was, in this example, the result was BA secured the contract to renew the short-haul aircraft. Because the project was so successful, we also added in two long-haul aircraft and increased the long-haul network, including destinations like New York, Cape Town and Vegas. So if you think of it as the funnel, so the star, the situation, task, action, result, the result bit is what goes on your CV. So the result bit is the hook. So for that particular example, I led the Gatwick Transformational Change Programme, resulting in increased route network at London Gatwick Airport for British Airways. That's the hook. And then when you're at the interview, that's when you can expand on the story. But you kind of almost need to do the work up front. So you almost need to start with the the big story first and then funnel it down into one achievement. And it's the achievement that goes on your CV. Always beginning with the verb, so an action word. So reduce, improve, grow, increase, save. And then if you can use a number, a digit, if you're looking at something online, you call it kind of scroll stoppability. When you're reading chunks of text and you see a number as a digit, you stop and you read. And if your CV is littered with numbers, reduce this by 20%, increase sales, increased efficiency, increased employee engagement, and you can add a number on that, that's what people are looking for because they're looking for someone that's going to come and make a difference in their organisation. So you've got to spell it out for people. If you've been working for a substantial amount of time, and obviously we're focusing on older workers and their careers in this podcast, you're likely to have worked for several different organisations. So how far do you go back with this information? How far do the stories stay relevant? Five years, 10 years? Certainly not back to the beginning of your career, I suggest. Yeah, I think the more recent, the more relevant. Let me use my own personal example. So when I was interviewing for a head of training role that I had at Leon, I was using an example that they asked me to do a presentation. So I used an example that at the time was about nine years old, but I knew that what they were looking for was somebody who could come in and almost create training at volume. So the same thing over and over and over again, because the business plan was to grow the number of restaurants. And I was looking back in my career to go, where have I done that before? And the example that I used was when I managed the move 
from cargo from Terminal 4 into Terminal 5 when that opened. Now, that was exactly what they were looking for. So I positioned it as, this is an example from 2008. There's no way I could fudge that because that's something that's in the public domain when Terminal 5 opened. But this is an example that I think is most relevant to what you want to hear. So I almost headed that off at the chase that it was an old example. But what I work with my clients on is building a database of examples. So after each and every job, it's almost like start to add to your database. The first time you do it, it's quite raunchy. I am not going to lie. But once you've got your database together and you've worked on additional projects or maybe you've done a contract role somewhere else, think about what did I do in that role? What did I achieve? And grasp that data while it's fresh in your mind and just build on the database you're adding another card into your rolodex in a podcast last year i spoke to a professor based in Hull university we were talking about the challenges that ex-senior military and ordinary military personnel find when they enter the civilian employment market after a long-term career in the military and even they've got all these people management skills such as logistics or dealing under crisis and all that sort of stuff one of the problems they face time after time over time with their resume cv is you haven't done exactly the same job before and i think that's a common theme for a lot of older workers but when they come up against this yes you've got lots of experience but you haven't done this job so therefore it's not relevant is there a way of framing your experience or stories to try and put some form of wrapper around that to make it more appealing yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, how we kind of look at people through a job title. So, so one of the things that I do, particularly if you're looking for a big career change, is to use what I call a functional CV rather than a traditional chronological CV. So if you think about the normal CV is most recent job first, and you go back 10 or 15 years, depending on, on how many roles you've had. Again, the thing I did going for the role in Leon was all of my training experience has kind of fallen off the bottom of my CV. And my CV was full of more um, HR business partner, head of talent kind of experience. So I changed it. And I actually, rather than positioning my roles, I positioned my experience under um, skills. So it would have training design, people management, project management, communication, influencing. So rather than necessarily listing the jobs that you've had, what you've done is if somebody, by the time someone's got to page two, they're interested because actually you've highlighted what your skills are. And then the fact that maybe your job title was slightly different, you can change your job title, by the way, on your CV, it's okay. If they're on page two of your CV, they're quite interested. They're quite interested. That's a great way around it to use a functional rather than a chronological CV. What a good idea. And following on from that, then, how do you manage your skills and qualifications if they're higher than those asked for by the role? You might, for whatever reason, take a conscious choice to say, I'm 30 odd years working now, I want to step back, I want to take less responsibility, and I want to do a less demanding role. How do I still apply for it? Can I hide my qualifications? Can I hide the fact that I've... <laughs> it's a matter of omission, not trying to deceive someone. Yeah, I think, yeah, so exactly as you say, omission. The role of your CV, particularly, particularly if you're submitting a CV, is to position yourself as the best candidate for that role. So that means presenting 
the skills and experience that are most relevant to that role, whether it's more senior, uh, less senior. Um, I think the executive summary at the top, you can share some of your story. If you're asked to produce a cover letter as well, you can also share some of your story. So it's almost about positioning why you're doing this. You need to find your own way, your own words to sort of say, this is why I'm really interested in the job, just, you know, despite some of my you know, previous roles. But again, that's where a functional CV is really useful. People struggle to look beyond job titles a lot of the time, but actually if they see the examples of your experience in terms of competencies, then I think that's a, an easiest, it's, it's, a, it's a way to ha- disguise it <laughs> or to, to present what it is that you, what, that you want them to see. And in terms of qualifications, you know, if you've got, I don't, I don't know, a degree and it, just leave it off if you think it's irrelevant. I think, I always think professional qualifications are much more relevant anyway, particularly I did my degree many years ago. I do put it on my CV. Sometimes I leave it off, but I think my CIPD qualification is much more relevant. Now, you know that I'm at best agnostic about LinkedIn because we've spoken beforehand and I'm still astonished at the quite mysterious longevity of LinkedIn but nonetheless I know that you're a supporter and a lot of people tell me how good it is I'm not one of them but nonetheless if you talk about your your functional side of your experience versus the other side what does your LinkedIn profile then show how do you use that if you must use it to display yourself at best to potential recruiters yeah I mean that's where recruiters go so if if recruiters are looking for someone, they're going to LinkedIn. I, I'm I'm going to twist the tables now, and I'm I'm just intrigued as to why you're not a fan of LinkedIn, Dave. Help help me understand that, and then I can maybe position my answer a little better. <laughs> I, I think it's because the people that I know and the people I speak to have never really got anything out of LinkedIn. They either get inappropriate emails for jobs that don't exist or people are trying to sell you something or LinkedIn is just a continuous boast fest for most people it's just how wonderful I am and I'm so excited people are also very excited to be LinkedIn aren't they they've run out of adjectives or other verbs but they're all super excited they're not just excited anymore they're super excited but the reality is for many people I speak to they don't get anything back out of it now the counter argument is you're not using it properly Okay, but there's a lot of us in that case not using it properly. It seems to exist for many of us just because it seems to exist. A case of the Emperor's New Clothes. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I've been a member of LinkedIn for, what are we now? So we're probably getting on for 12 years, 13 years. And actually one of my last or past my last role at at British Airways was managing the company page for LinkedIn And even since then, it has grown exponentially. And it's almost like if, so I agree with everything you've said about it, actually. So yes, you do get sold things. Um, Just ignore those people. Uh, Because they are sending out hundreds of those emails every day through some sort of automation. So they are not going to know or or care if you've opened it or responded or not. So, So I just ignore those now. There are some boastful people on there. Yes, uh, you can unfollow them so that they no longer appear in your feed. But if you are not leveraging it, and I'd say leveraging is a great word for LinkedIn. If you're not leveraging it, you're cutting off access to a number of jobs. So we all know that depending on which survey you read, a huge percentage of roles are never advertised. 
Those are the best roles, by the way, the ones that are never advertised. But people need to be reminded that you're there and people need to be reminded that you exist. So the one advantage of being an older person in the workforce is that you have had all of these experiences and you have worked across a lot of companies. And so therefore, your network is so much bigger than somebody who's just left university, for example. So if you're if your LinkedIn profile is up to date, so with all of your roles listed on there, a great headline that talks about what you do, not your job title. So my headline, I change mine quite frequently, but it said things like, you know, helping helping HR professionals to quit the job they hate and find one they love. So rather than saying career coach, which is like, yeah, there's thousands of those. I actually talk about what I do. Worked with a lady and it was something like helping HR directors to create reward strategies that drive engagement. So it's almost like, so that as a headline that follows you around, tells people what you do, not necessarily that I'm head of reward. She could have put head of reward, but she put helping HR directors. So it's about speaking to the people who are going to hire you. It's, it's almost like if... The people that say it's not working for them are the people who are not working LinkedIn. So you have to work it. It's almost like the those machines at the fair. Do you know the ones where you put the two P's in at the top and the things are sliding back and forth? You have to put a lot of two P's in the top. And then suddenly there's a, there's a whole load of coins that come out of the bottom. That's like job opportunities or connection requests or something. It's like you have to feed the machine. And also, if you're feeding the machine and you're active when recruiters are doing searches, if you've got all of your profile looking all star, I think they call it, if you've got an all star profile and you're active on there, whether it's creating content, responding to other people's posts, maybe writing articles, then you are feeding the algorithm and more, much more likely to be at the top of any search. Points all well made. Let's come back to applicant tracking systems, your bedouin. I hate them. I hate them. They are... Please don't equivocate. <laughs> they are just... Oh, I'm not allowed to swear on here. So let me think. Let me... <laughs> mm. They are one of the most frustrating things about being in the job market. And I am talking from my experience of being in the job market and my client's experience of being in the job market. I would say wherever possible, go above underneath or around rather than through the applicant tracking system because it's a big black hole of CVs. So again, this is where LinkedIn is really useful because you can find out who advertised a particular role. You can go and find out useful information about companies. You can know about roles before they actually appear. You can get a kind of backdoor view of the organization and whether it's something that's in line with your with your own personal values but in terms of applicant tracking systems right now I, I've, I've been speaking to a few recruiters and number of applicants can range from 200 to 2000 per role there's a high likelihood that your cv will never even get looked at it's not because they don't care it's let's just say they've got one position and they've looked at 100 cvs and they found five that they're going to put forward they're just not going to look at the other 100 200 cvs in there it's this kind of 
spray and pray approach to job hunting, which is I'm just going to send off my CV to all of these places. And guess what? None of them have responded. You get more despondent. It's harder to keep going. And so it continues. That's why I hate applicant tracking systems. Thank you. And what's next for you now? And how can you be contacted? So I'm on LinkedIn. <laughs> so I'm uh, I'm Jane Foray on LinkedIn. That's where I am kind of every day. I love it. I, I hear what you say about it. And I agree. That's where I am. Or via my website, which is janeforay.com. I'm much more focused now on so thinking about our values so I've done this exercise as me so I've run big group programs and one-on-one and what I love doing is working in depth with people on a one-on-one basis so I'm really developing my my VIP offering right now and all the details of that will be on my website that's lovely thank you very much and I'll put a link to the website on my own website thank you very much for your time today it's been a real pleasure talking to you it's been great Thank you, Dave. I've really enjoyed our conversation. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening the whole way through. If you like the podcast, why not tell your friends so they too can listen to the advice from my expert guests? I'll be back in a month's time and my contact details follow next. You can make contact with me via my website, theredundancypodcast.com, which has a synopsis of this and all the podcast main points by emailing me at theredundancypodcast at gmail.com or via Twitter with the hashtag at redundancypcast.